Well, good morning. morning. I can say that because it is morning. If you recall, we had a lot of people the other evening saying good morning. But again, we are creatures of habit. And uh, that was really impressed upon me the last few days. We had some out-of-town guests. And um, I am a creature of habit. I am a man of routine. And when you throw a wrench into my routine, I almost don't know what to do. I saw it in my dog, too. She, she was like, what, what are we doing? Why, why are we not doing what we normally do? But uh, you can all breathe a sigh of relief. They're gone. <laughs> no. They're fine people. I love them and um, happy to have them. But life... Life, when we think about life, and I'm not talking about the cereal, talking about life. Life, quite honestly, when you think of it this time of year, is a series of seasons. And in this time of year, you think of it in four, four phases. Number one, we believe in Santa. Number two, we don't believe in Santa. Number three, you are Santa. Number four, you start to look like Santa. And, uh, yeah, starting to look like Santa. But regardless, today you are more than likely done with all the Christmas celebrations. Now, I realize that there are some who have multiple family gatherings with the in-laws or the outlaws, depending on how you feel about your spouse's parents. And there are some who have to work on Christmas, so your gatherings may extend beyond the actual day. But by and large, Christmas is behind us. And it comes and goes faster for me every single year. I guess that's what happens when you are in that look like Santa phase of life. The fact remains, it's the day after Christmas. Reminds me of a poem was the day after Christmas. You guys ever heard that one? You probably know the, tw- the night before Christmas. This is a little different. This is kind of the epilogue, if you will. It was the day after Christmas. I remember it well. The toys were all broken. The house looked like... Wait a minute. No. <laughs> Let's just say it looked really bad. And I won't, I won't read the rest of this because basically what it does, it goes on to describe... The inevitable results of a large gathering. And maybe your house looks like that right now. Maybe you go home today and you have some work to do. Or maybe you've cleaned up already. I don't know. You may even be taking the Christmas decorations down this afternoon. Anybody work that quickly? Anybody? Okay, we got one. couple. Uh, most people leave them up like what? Till New Year's? New Year's? That's the majority of people. Anybody leave them up all year round? You got one. I'm not sure if he's telling me the truth though. Remember, Santa Claus will be coming again next year. But Christmas really is over. And as my sermon title says, life goes on. We've all enjoyed the, the, the celebration, the big event, right? 
And now we get back to the mundane things of life. And when you think about it, that must have been how it was for many of the characters that we've studied over the last several weeks. The shepherds. You know, after their amazing experience, they went back to just being shepherds. They went back to their lives of really kind of being loners and outcasts. And maybe you feel that way. You know, the holidays were a special time, but now it's back to the same old dull routine. And things are just empty now. Life goes on. And what about the wise men? They'd traveled for months to reach Bethlehem. Now they had this huge journey home. And if you've ever come home from a trip, the ride home is always longer than the ride there and much less enjoyable. But life goes on. Think about Bethlehem. During the census, the town was bursting at the seams. This little town of about 1,000 residents had been inundated with up to 20,000 visitors, which explains why there was no room at any of the inns. But now, all gone. Back to being this sleepy little village. Life goes on. And for Mary and Joseph, their life went on as well. They settled into life as parents. The message, friends, this morning is simple. Life goes on after Christmas. But it cannot go on the same way. It should go on differently. If we've truly, truly come to terms with who Jesus is, and John has helped us in his gospel to understand exactly who Jesus is, Jesus is the Messiah... He is God Himself. And when we fully understand that, and when we fully understand those gifts that we've opened over the past several weeks, the gifts of hope and peace and joy and that amazing sacrificial love that He lavishes upon us, yeah, life will go on, but it cannot be the same. Post-Christmas should not be a time when life is empty. And we just go back to the same old dull routine. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that he came, he came that we might have life and have it to the full. And that fullness of life is a life of hope and peace and joy, all available in Christ. Life goes on. And this morning I want to look at a passage that helps us to not only understand how life went on for Mary and Joseph, but also how life should go on for us. So if you want to turn to Luke chapter 2, we're going to study a passage from Luke chapter 2. Now we've already studied the first half of the chapter, that's through the, the narrative of Jesus' birth. Now we're going to look at the second half of the chapter, which describes life for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, life after Christmas. So the story continues at verse 21. There Luke writes this. 
On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So the first thing that we want to notice here is that Joseph and Mary were devout. They were devout. They were good Jewish parents. They were obedient. They obeyed the law set forth in Leviticus chapter 12 that says on the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. They were obedient to that law. And by Mary and Joseph's obedience, then Jesus fulfilled the law. And we also see that Joseph was obedient to God's command that came through the angel. Remember in Matthew chapter 1 when the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. The angel told him, you are to give him the name Jesus. And that's exactly what they did. Jesus, a very significant name. We don't want to miss this. The Greek Iesus is the equivalent of the Hebrew Yeshua or Yehoshua, which translates Yahweh saves, or the Lord saves, or God saves. That's who Jesus is. He's our Savior. So life went on for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and obedience was their story. They did what God's Word commanded them to do. And friends, so it should be for us. As life goes on and, and we believe and we trust in God's plan of redemption, the plan that he brought forth by the Christmas story, this baby, then what follows should be obedience to his word. We see more evidence of obedience to the law in verses 20 through to 22 through 24. It says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And again, we see obedience to the law set forth in Leviticus chapter 12. This time, the law states that a lamb should be offered, and if they can't afford a lamb, which they could not, they're to bring two doves and two pigeons. That's exactly what Mary and Joseph do. And this sacrifice was very often referred to as the offering of the poor. See, Mary and Joseph, they couldn't afford a lamb. They didn't have the means, but they gave according to their ability. They gave according to the law. See, Jesus was born into a very humble existence. And as life goes on, we too should continue in humble obedience. And then Luke goes on to share an interesting story of a man named Simeon. Simeon. And we really don't know too much about this gentleman. It's the only time that he is mentioned in the Bible. But Luke tells us enough to learn a few things from him. He says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, 
who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. So there's a lot to unpack there. But what Luke tells us is that like Mary and Joseph, Simeon was a devout Jew. He was a good Jewish man. He was obedient to the law. And it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the original Greek word that Luke uses here is the word paraklesis. And paraklesis can also be translated comforter. Comforter. And this really links us back to the prophecies of Isaiah, which describe the Messiah as one who comforts his people, one who comforts the nation of Israel. Further revelation that Jesus, this baby that was born, is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Luke also informs us that Simeon was being led by the Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that led him into the temple that day. This was not just happenstance. This was not just fate. He was being led by the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit who promised that he would not die until he saw the Christ, until he saw the Messiah. And it was the Holy Spirit that revealed to him the truth about Jesus, about this baby that he saw that day. He is the Savior of the world. Our salvation, the light of the world for both Gentile and Jew. The glory of God, as he says in verse 32. The glory of the Word made flesh. If you remember, John testified to that same thing in John chapter 1. He said, we have seen the glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Simeon goes on to tell Jesus' parents that he will cause, Jesus will cause the falling and rising of many. He will cause the falling of the proud and the arrogant, the Pharisees, the religious leaders who chose to reject Jesus and to reject the truth about him. 
But the rising, the rising of the humble and the meek who accept Jesus for who He is. To whom the Holy Spirit has revealed the truth about Jesus, the Messiah. As life went on, it was the Holy Spirit who led Simeon. The Holy Spirit guided him in his life. Friends, as life goes on for us, we pray that that same Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that, that, that led Simeon, that same Holy Spirit that caused Mary to be pregnant with this, with this Christ child, that same Holy Spirit would continue to lead us, lead us, His sheep, His people. And we pray that God, through the Holy Spirit, would continue to reveal more and more of Himself to us. Just as the Holy Spirit revealed the truth about Jesus to Simeon, we seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit to teach us, to teach us more and more about this baby that came to earth some 2,000 years ago. Not only that, but as we go out into the world on mission, we go out into the world on mission and our mission is to share the gospel, right? It's on the wall. It's part of it. As we go out to share the gospel and shine the light that we talked about the other night, we pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal the truth to those with whom we share the gospel. Because what we want to see, friends, we want to see lives changed. Lives change because Hope Church cares. And we can only do that through the power of this amazing Holy Spirit. As life goes on, we seek the revelation of God that comes only through the Holy Spirit. And then Luke introduces one more character that we can learn from in this passage. And that's Anna. Verse 36, he writes this. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. As life goes on, there's a lot that we can learn from Anna. Anna was a godly woman. Anna was widowed and had been for a long time. So she knew pain. And she knew loss. She knew what life was like after a tragedy. Yet she had not become bitter, nor had she lost hope. Rather, she devoted herself 
to worship, through the spiritual disciplines, through fasting, through prayer. And God revealed the truth to her that this baby, that Jesus was the redeemer of the world. God reveals his purposes to humble servants who persevere despite circumstances. Remember, circumstances don't dictate whether or not we have joy in this life. Joy is a choice, remember? Joy is a choice. As life goes on, may we be a people devoted to God, worshiping and praying and, yeah, fasting. And in verse 39, he says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. So Luke, once again, emphasizes obedience here. And the fact that through Mary and Joseph, Jesus was also obedient to the law. And then they returned to their hometown of Nazareth. Remember, they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now they had to make their way back. Life goes on. Then in verse 40, Luke tells us what, what life looked like for Jesus. In verse 40 he says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And, and, and really, friends, what we see in this one single verse here is our model for how life should go on for us. Jesus is our model for spiritual growth. As we move on, friends, from this Christmas day, as life goes on, God does not want us to go back into the same old dull routine. He does not intend for us to live empty, meaningless lives. Remember, it is God, it is Jesus who gives us hope. Hope in this world and hope for the next. Jesus is the one who's made peace for us. The peace that we can only have with God through the sacrifice that he made. Jesus was born again that we might have joy. And he continues to lavish his love and pour out his love upon us. He longs for us to receive those gifts. He wants us to become strong and to grow spiritual. He wants us to grow in wisdom and in grace. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 that we should grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's how life should go on. That should be our goal, to grow in the knowledge of God. And to experience his love and his grace. So here's my question. Are we growing? And are we maturing in him? More than that, more than that, let's go back to the beginning of our study today. Are we obedient to the word? Do we, like Simeon, seek the guidance and the revelation of the Holy Spirit? 
Are we dedicated to worship and the spiritual disciplines like Anna was? Are we? Time to do a gut check and see. Yeah, Christmas is over. And life goes on, but that shouldn't be a big letdown for us. It should be a launching point. It should be the beginning of a life that's filled with those gifts that we talked about, the hope and the peace and the joy and the love in Christ Jesus. Friends, life goes on, but it cannot be the same. It cannot be the same. Remember, this is just the beginning of the Christmas story. The birth of Christ is just the beginning. The rest of the story is found in Jesus' life. The sacrifice that he made on the cross. The resurrection from the dead. The ascension. And we know how the story ends, right? He's coming back. He's coming back again someday to gather his people to him. And this morning, friends, we have the privilege of partaking in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate that sacrament right now. And, and this fits perfectly within the Christmas story. This Advent season. This supper is a feast of remembrance and of communion and hope. And again, in this Advent season, we look back and we remember the Christmas story. We remember the birth of Christ. But we also remember all that Jesus has done for us that ushered in that new covenant, the new covenant that we enjoy in His blood. We come Remembering, we come to have communion with that same Christ here this morning. And we come in hope. Because we believe that this supper is a foretaste of the glorious day that he returns and his kingdom has fully come. With that in mind, let us then receive this supper in true love. And if you are a member of a church that professes Christ Jesus as the Son of God, come to give his life for our sins, we invite you to participate in this supper. When you came in this morning, I hope you grabbed the elements. If you did not, please raise your hand and we'll make sure that someone gets those to you. Is there anybody? Don, up here.
as we come to the table and as we participate in this sacrament, let us remember that Scripture calls us to examine ourselves before God. Let us then confess our sins before our merciful God. Let's pray. Almighty God, before whom can be neither secret nor hidden deed nor thought, Father, grant us your spirit that we may know our hearts, that we may know our lives and our inmost thoughts just as you know them. Grant us your grace that we may repent sincerely of all sin and through that repentance find peace with you through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and grow in the assurance of our salvation in him. Let us each offer a silent prayer of repentance. Lord, hear our prayers. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me take drink remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins Let's pray. Almighty God, we give to you our humble thanks that you, in your great mercy, have given us your Son to be our Savior from sin and to be our constant source of faith, hope, and love. We bless you for permitting us to receive the communion of this body and blood through this holy sacrament. We praise you for uniting us more fully with the body of Christ and for assuring us that we are heirs of your heavenly kingdom. Father, that is our hope. And we pray that our commemoration 
of his death may help to daily increase our faith, to establish our hope, and to strengthen our love. Help us to always live for him who gave himself for us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.